Well, we're in um, a series here on Sunday mornings. We started about uh, two, two or three weeks ago. This is the third Sunday uh, in this series. We're talking to you about the gift, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. And this is uh, lesson number three in that series. And today we're going to talk to you about peace, the peace of God that, uh, that passes all understanding. By the way, um, just to make sure that your neighbor next to you gets the message for the morning in case they nod off in the next few minutes. I hope you won't, but uh, in case you do, uh, if you'll get this, you've got the message. Just turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to have peace. God wants you to have peace. Our text for this series is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine of them. Last Sunday morning I talked to you about joy and the Sunday before that about love. And um, last Sunday I compared the uh, fruit of the Spirit with the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Isn't it interesting that He gave us nine Beatitudes and there are nine fruit of the Spirit. He knew that He was going to give the Holy Spirit to help us live out these things in our lives. Here are the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul names them in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, for this particular message on peace this morning, I'm going to use a subtext that's found in St. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. So look at this with me, if you will, please. These things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus speaking, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. Now, when you look at that 16th chapter of St. John's Gospel and start studying the, the context in which it is presented and where the text lies, you will discover that it's tied inseparably to chapters 13, 14, and 15. They all go together as a cluster. In fact, it's part of a great discourse that Jesus gave And it began in the upper room as they were observing Passover. Now, this wasn't just any Passover. This was the Last Supper, as we call it now. So, this is very important. This is the last time that Jesus is going to celebrate in exactly this way with his disciples. And they were in an upper room. The discussion started there. The discussion continued from there and went all the way from that evening and the events of that evening, all the way from there, the journey that they took and and wound up in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed and was later betrayed. And so, I I want you to look at this. And as, as as I look at this discourse that Jesus gave us, the last sermon that he preaches like this to his disciples. When I look at that discourse, I see some topics that are mentioned and topics that are repeated. Now, for God to say something and it be true, all he has to do is say it one time. But when he says something more than once 
and especially when he repeats something in close proximity with the first time he gives it. Boy, we ought to perk up our ears and listen. We ought to perk up our eyes and look. We ought to really pay close attention. So let me divide this into the two, the, the, the subjects that were discussed in the upper room, and then we'll see the subjects that were discussed on the journey. In the upper room, Jesus started by telling them that he was going to depart from them. That's in John 13, verses 31 to 38. Then he talked to them about the law of love in verses 34 and 35. And then he tells them where he is going in 14 chapter, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Most of you are familiar with that particular passage. That's where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house. Remember, you remember that? He tells them where he's going. Then in uh, the fourth thing, he shows them the way to heaven in verses 5 all the way down to 14. And particularly in that sixth verse where he makes this profound statement, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, you, you need to understand that about uh, salvation because there is no other way. I know that's not politically correct. And I know in this pluralistic society, and we're trying to get to the point today where we, you know, as a society where, where the, 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 they're trying to brainwash us into believing that there are many ways to heaven and it really doesn't matter which way you go. It doesn't matter what religion you follow. We're all trying to get to the same place. That is nonsense. Now let me be more emphatic than that. That's hogwash. That's just not true. Now, let me tell you something, folks. If any old way would get you to heaven, if any old religion would do, there absolutely would have been no need whatsoever for Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary. And if there's other ways to get to heaven, I have to tell you that God is the most cruel person in the whole universe to have put Jesus through that suffering if there's another way to heaven. I know this is politically incorrect, but I'm not concerned about politically correct this morning. I'm concerned about your eternal salvation. And I'm here to declare to you, amen, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to get to the Father but by Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and he talks about that. Then he also, he, he begins to talk to them. I love this. Jesus begins to tell them about the helper. Uh, capitalize the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paracletus that will help us to uh, live our lives for him. And then finally, he ends up with talking to them about peace in verses four, in chapter 14, verse 27. Now, they continued, like I said, this discourse started in the upper room and it continued all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And here are some subjects that they talked about on the way. And you'll notice some of them are a repeat of what they talked about in the upper room. In chapter 15, the first uh, 17 verses, he talks about the vine and the branches. Now, that was kind of a new subject that wasn't discussed in the upper room, but it's, it's, a, it's a great study. But then secondly, he talks to them about the law of love. 
Remember, they'd already talked about the law of love. This is an overlap or a repeat, we could say. Then he talks to them about the helper in 15 and 26. Again, he already talked to them about the Holy Spirit in the upper room. He talks to them about the Holy Spirit again. Then he talks to them about persecution in 16, the first six verses. And then he comes back a third time. Boy, this is really important. And talks to them some more about the helper or the Holy Spirit. This is overlapping again, verses 8 through 13. And then he talks to them again about peace. This is the sixth thing that they talked about. So I want, I want to go back and look at these that have been repeated. Can we do that? In fact, I'm going to read the Scripture. I'm going to do a lot of reading this morning, so follow with me in the Scriptures. First of all, he repeats the law of love. He talks about that in the upper room, verse, uh, verses 34 and 35 of chapter 13 of John. This is what he said. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How are we supposed to love one another? Like Jesus loved us. Wow. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Folks, this law of love is important. I know a couple Sundays ago we talked about the fruit of love. Jesus emphasized it emphatically here, repeated it, talked about it twice in this great discourse. And he, he told us how we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love like he loved us. And then he told us this will be the identifying mark of Christians, Christ followers. In other words, if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are following the Lord Jesus, we will recognize that about you by your love. Not your bumper sticker, your love. In fact, it really bothers me. There's something wrong with a fish on the back of a car and a bumper sticker about how much you love Jesus. And then you see them pointing with the wrong finger at somebody at a traffic light. There's something wrong with that picture. That, that, that they're not going to know you by your bumper sticker. They're going to know you by your love. Jesus said, this, this is important. This, this, we're supposed to love each other like I love you. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, let me move on. On the journey, he talks about it some more. Look at it in John 15, uh, 12 to 17. This is my commandment. Boy, he gets real emphatic with it now that you love one another as I have loved you. This is not an option. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name he may give it thee. These things I command you that you love one another. How many of you like to get your prayers answered? Jesus told you right here how to get your prayers answered. He said, you, you just do what I command you. What did he command you to do? Love one another. And he said, if, you, if you'll just be obedient to me, 
then my heavenly father can answer your prayers. You know, sometimes, sometimes we do a lot of praying. We can't figure out why we're not getting any answers to prayer. We might ought to check and see if we're obeying God. We might ought to check our love level and see if we're displaying the love of the Lord. It's, it's one of the ways that you get it. Okay, let me move on. The second thing they talked about is the helper. And this is very important. How many of you could use some help in your daily lives? Jesus said, I want to talk to you about a helper. Here's what he said in the upper room about the helper. In John 14, verses 15 to 26, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he'll be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Some translations say, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will not see, will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live, you'll live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father and, the, and you and me and I and you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved of my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, there was another Judas in the disciple group, said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us, not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him, make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, and he identifies it. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Wow. Jesus said, I love you so much, I'm going to pray the Father. And he's going to send you another comforter. He's going to help you. He's going to help you in everything you need help in in life. And, and he said, all, I, all you need to do is just love me like I love you, love others like I love you and, and others, and, and be obedient to my commandments, I'll send you that. Now, on the journey, he talks some more about the Holy Spirit. Here it is, verse 26 of 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Listen to this, folks. Jesus said, this is not my idea, it's not my opinion, has nothing to do with it. This is what Jesus himself said. One of the ways you'll recognize the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit will always lift up Jesus. Jesus. Can I say that again? The work of the Holy Spirit will always lift up Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, he does not come to elevate man and build man's kingdom. I'm sorry, he just doesn't. When, when, when I see somebody operating in the gifts and everything that they do brings glory to them, I begin to question, is this really the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit comes to testify of Jesus. He comes to lift him up. 
Um, there's, there's even some doctrine going around now that, that they have the Holy Spirit always magnifying and glorifying the Holy Spirit. Glorifying himself is just all about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit magnifying the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will magnify me. The Holy Spirit will always lift up Jesus. When we see the work of the Holy Spirit, it's not so we'll get so excited we get to praise in the Holy Spirit. It's so we'll get excited and praise Jesus. He's the reason. He's the reason. If he had not come to this earth, given his life on the cross of Calvary, allowed himself to be buried in a tomb and resurrected from the dead on the third day, then all the rest of this stuff wouldn't be possible. So the Holy Spirit lifts up Jesus. It's all about him. Again, on the journey, he talks some more about the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16, uh, verses 8 to 14. This, this is so good. And when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify who? Jesus. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Wow. The Holy Spirit, that's one way you can, you can discern whether something is of the Holy Spirit or not. Who is being magnified? Who is being lifted up? Who is being testified to or about when the operation goes? When you look at what's left afterward, what, what, who's magnified? Do people go away saying, praise the Lord and had an experience with Jesus? Or did they go away and say, wow, so-and-so touched me and I felt that? No, that's not what it's about. It's not about us. Amen. It's about Jesus. Jesus. We're, we're supposed to be building Jesus' kingdom, not ours. Well, let me get off of that soapbox and move to the third one, okay? The, the third one, and this is the one we want to key in on today and, and, and preach to you about, and that's peace. He talked about peace a couple of times. In the upper room, this is what he said, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then on the journey, he brought the subject up again. And I read this as a subtext for this message. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, in the world, uh, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Now, three words that really stand out here. First of all is the word peace. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. But then there's the word world that really jumps out in these two verses. And then thirdly, it's the word trouble or tribulation. Here's the message. Everybody awake? Everybody listening? Here's my whole sermon this morning. My whole sermon is Jesus wants you to have peace. In the world, you're going to have some trouble. But in him, there is peace. Amen. He's overcome the world. So let's look at it. Go ahead and give God praise for it. Now, let, let me go by, back and amplify just a little bit. Let's look at this thing of peace. This is God's will for you. In essence, Jesus is saying, children, I want you to have peace.
peace. That's what he wants you to have. And I'm going to tell you this morning, it's the greatest thing he could have left us. What greater desire could you have for those that you're leaving than to give them peace? Oh, I know what you're thinking, boy. If, you, if you're going to put me in your will, I'd like to have some little green back on that, you know. Maybe leave you, me your car or your house or your property or your, you know, your 401k or something. <laughs> well, think about that for just a minute. Think about that. I want to tell you this morning, wealth is not greater than peace. I've seen a lot of wealthy people who were miserable. So wealth is not greater than peace. Power is not greater than peace. Study history. A lot of powerful people have died violent deaths. That's not greater than peace. Think about popularity. Popularity is not greater than peace. You know, we, in, in, in our culture today, we've so magnified popularity till if somebody from Hollywood says something, um, boy, people just take it to the bank. They think that's the gospel. And I hear movie stars speaking about stuff that they don't have the uh, earthly idea what they're talking about. We got kids in kindergarten that's smarter about some things and some of these Hollywood stars that come out making these supposedly brilliant statements. But we just gobble it up because they're popular. If they're popular, that must mean they're smart. No, it just means they know how to memorize their lines and act. Doesn't mean they know a cotton-picking thing about politics or, or our history or or anything else. <laughs> I'm not saying that all of them are dumb. <laughs> just, just the ones we see. I'm, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. There, there are some brilliant ones and there are smart people. In fact, one Hollywood star became president one time. So, I mean, I'm not saying, but, but what I'm saying is we, we glorify popularity in this society. And can I tell you this morning, popularity is not greater than peace. There's a lot. Did you know that a lot of very popular people are lonely people? Lonely people. They can't even live a normal life. I, I heard it said once by someone that was close to Elvis Presley. He said, I'm so popular until everybody wants to know me because of my popularity and I don't know if anybody really loves me just because I'm me. Wouldn't that be a sad way to live? That, 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 that you couldn't even know for sure if anybody in the whole world really loved you, you, you know, just because you're you and not because of your money or your popularity or your fame or your power or anything like that. No, 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 no. And peace is greater. And this is what Jesus left for us. He left his tranquility. He left his peace. He left his rest. He left us his calmness. He left us his quietness. He left us his togetherness. He left us his unity. He wants us to have peace. Boy, peace is a powerful something. You see it all through the scriptures. Here's what God promised Abraham. He said, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried in a good old age. I, that, that, if you want to bless me, that'd be a good one to bless me with, that I could just be peaceful all my life, all the way to the end, live a good long life. Amen? 
Jacob said, I'll know that God is with me if he brings me back to my family in peace. Moses was determined to return to his brother and his father-in-law spoke to him and said, go in peace. God told Adam, I'm sorry, Aaron, when he blessed the people, he gave him a benediction to speak over the people. You can find it in the book of Numbers. You're, you're probably familiar with it, verses uh, 24 to 26 of chapter uh, 6. Here's what he said. Here's the way, Aaron, I want you to bless my people. This is the benediction I want you to give them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What a blessing. What a benediction. God said to Gideon, peace, you don't have to be afraid. Eli said to Hannah, young lady, go in peace. God's heard your prayer and he's going to give you a child. Jonathan said to David when they had to separate because of the, of, of the friction between Saul and, and, and David, he said, the, the Lord be with you, David. Go in peace and, and God will guard between you and me and between our descendants the peace of God. Psalms 4 is called the evening prayer and I love this. Here's what it says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord makest me to dwell safely. Wow, I claim that every night of my life and God has blessed me to have that kind of peace. You know, there's, there's a multi-million dollar um, uh, pharmaceutical uh, industry just that does nothing that produces something to help people go to sleep. And, and Jesus said, I want to give you my peace. And God's word said that there's a place of peace in God where you can claim it and rest in it. And, and my wife says, I go to sleep on my way to the pillow. <laughs> As my head is going down, peace is coming in. Here, here, here's the way, I, I mean this folks, I live, it doesn't matter how stressful my life may be, it doesn't matter what I'm going through, when I come to the end of the day, I say, Lord, there's no use for you and me both staying awake tonight, I know you're going to be up, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I can't do anything more about this, I just cast all my cares on you because I know you care for me anyway, I believe you'll take care of me, your word says I can rest in safety, why should I worry about it? Some of you are worrying yourself to death. Some of you are shortening your life, worrying about stuff that you won't even remember five years from now. Go to sleep. <laughs> Rest in the Lord. Claim his peace. Call it into your life. God wants you to have it. Amen. <laughs> Psalms 29 said, the Lord will give strength to his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The wise man in Proverbs chapter 3 says, For length of days and long life and peace will be added to you if you're obedient to the commands of God. Proverbs 16 and 7 said, When a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Praise God. God can take care of your enemies a whole lot better than you can. Amen. You know, I found out a long time ago, when you want to fight your own battles, God will let you fight. But if you'll just praise and worship God, he can send his warring angels and take care of your battles for you. I don't know about you, I'd a whole lot rather worship than fight. Now, not everybody lives like that. There's some people looks like they'd rather fight than, than worship or do anything else. 
But uh, if you like that kind of conflict, uh, bless your heart. I, I, I just don't understand that. I'd rather, I'd, I'd always rather have somebody fight for me. When I was a kid, I always ran around with big guys. <laughs> I made friends with big guys. I made friends with tough guys. <laughs> and, and then when I'd act a smart aleck and somebody jump on me, they'd take care of it for me. <laughs> Amen. Well, I found out you can whoop a devil like that. I know he's bigger than I am, but he ain't bigger than Jesus. Amen. He's not bigger than my Lord. He can take care of it. Let, let the peace of God. And Isaiah, the great messianic prophet said, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How many of you know the Prince of Peace this morning? Praise God. Most people I know, most people I deal with are really looking for peace. They want peace. I believe you want peace. Jesus promised us we could have it, but he was realistic. He said, there's, a, there's one problem, and that's the world. That's that second word that jumps out in this text, the world. In the world, Jesus said, now, I want you to have peace. I'm going to leave my peace with you. But in the world, there's trouble. There's tribulations in the world. Job said, man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. There is trouble in this world. Anybody testify to that? There's, tr there's trouble in the world. We're not trying to, we're not trying to sugarcoat something or or gloss it over and pretend it's not there. The fact is there's trouble in the world. Jesus said in the world you'll have trouble. But Jesus said, look at this. Jesus said, I have conquered the world. Glory to God. I've conquered the world. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Praise the Lord. Jesus has already overcome every obstacle and every deterrent there is out there to your peace. That's why I'm so confident this morning that you can have the peace of God. Because Jesus has already conquered everything that would hinder that. Is sin your obstacle? He's conquered sin. Amen? Is fear your obstacle? He's conquered fear. Is depression your obstacle? He's conquered depression. Is, is sorrow your obstacle? He's conquered sorrow. Is grief your obstacle? He's conquered grief. Is poverty your obstacle? He's conquered. He's got, look, here's what Jesus has done. He has overcome the world. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, left the jewel-deck throne of glory, came to this old sin-cursed earth, and bulldozed right through this world. Bulldozed, not just a path. He bulldozed a highway right through through the troubles of this old world and left a highway right behind him for you and me to walk on and said, come on with me. I've overcome the world and now there's the road. Walk on it. Amen. You can overcome as well. You can overcome. You can overcome. Hallelujah. So my final point is 
peace and how do we obtain it? Now, I know you're, you're going to think I'm oversimplifying this thing, but you overcome something, an obstacle, by coming under something that is greater. So in this case, you overcome the world by coming under the power of Jesus. If, if I've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there and I'm walking, how am I going to overcome it? Well, uh, let, uh, let me illustrate. When I, when I went to Lee uh, College many years ago, back before most of you were born, you didn't know Lee was that old, did you? Uh, when, when I went to Lee, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any friends that were going there with me. So guess what? When you don't know anybody and when you a new kid on the block, you the freshman, you're going to get the worst of everything. They gave me the worst dorm on campus. They assigned me to Ellis Hall. A few years later, it caught fire and burned down. We used to we used to sit we used to sit on our bunk beds with baseballs and and hit the rats as they'd as they'd run through. I mean, it, it was bad in those days. The place needed to burn down. Uh, they they also they also put me with the worst. Nobody wanted a room with this guy. Nobody wanted a room with this guy. He'd already been kicked out three or four times. And he was from Florida. And the juvenile authorities in Florida said, we told his parents, said, send that boy to leave. We don't want him in Florida. Send him to Cleveland, Tennessee. And, and we won't make him go to jail here. Just, just send him to Cleveland. Well, when he got to Cleveland, he was the same old guy. He was in trouble up there. And they'd have to kick him out, and he'd go back down there. And the judges say, send him back up there. And, so, and finally, Lee said, this is it. This is, this is the last time. This is the last time. If you get, if you overstep, if you get enough demerits, to, demerits, do we have to expel you this, one more time? This time, that's it. We'll never take you back in. So he was on his last time, and he was rooming with me. That was my roommate. He, he was a he was a fun guy, but uh, but boy, he was he was whirly. He was into the world big time, and and he had he had. He had misbehaved so much. He, he had 99 demerits. He liked, he, he was one demerit away from getting kicked out his final time. He was flunking all of his courses. I mean, he's, he's, if he didn't, if he didn't get on a discipline demerit expulsion, he was about to get expelled from academic failure because he's flunking everything. We were having our, our, uh, we had a, well, back in those days, we had a fall revival, a spring revival. And we were having fall revival. I mean, the Spirit of God was moving on that campus. The power of God was so great. Folks, I'm talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Many days during that revival that hit our campus, we would, we would go to our classes, and every class opened in those days with a devotion. You had prayer before you started any class. And we'd have prayer, and the Holy Ghost would fall. And sometimes we'd be worshiping for the entire class period. That revival went on for several weeks on that campus at that time. It was one of the greatest revivals that Lee ever had in his history. And it was during that time my roommate had been out drinking that night. Of course, he didn't go to the revival service. He skipped out. 
he went over to chapel long enough to get seen in his seat because they did seat check in those days. And he, he went out and got drunk. And he came. I, I was in a bed asleep about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and he came crawling through the window. And, of course, it woke me up. And, and I, I don't know why. It was an experience unlike anything I've, I've ever had. I, like I said, I was sound asleep, but there was such an anointing from the revival. The Spirit of God was all over me. And when I heard him, I just sat straight up in the bed, and I looked at him, and I, I, t- I don't know anything about liquor and dr- strong drink and stuff like that and beer and stuff. I, I don't, I've never been involved in that. Um, so I, it had to be the Spirit of God. I just looked him right straight in the eye, and I told him exactly what he'd been doing. I told him how many drinks he'd had. I told him what brand he'd been drinking. And then I told him, because he just reeking with alcohol. So, I mean, the alcohol didn't take much discernment. But, but how many drank and what he drank, I didn't have a clue. That was the Holy Spirit just gave me a revelation of that. And so, I got up and I told him, I said, you can have the room. I'll go out in the lobby and sleep on the, uh, on the sofa out there. And so, I, I left and went out to the lobby. And um, he came on to bed. And... He couldn't sleep. It's bugging the life out of me. How did he know where I've been? How did he know what I drank? How did he know how many drinks I'd had? Just bugging the life out of him. What it was, the Holy Spirit was convicting him of his sins. So about an hour, he's out there shaking me, getting me awake. He's like, how did you know where I've been? How did you know how much I'd drunk? How did you know what brand I'd been drinking? And I told him, I said, I, 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 I don't know. I said, I guess the Holy Spirit just gave it to me. He said, you got to pray with me, man. Long, long story short, he gave his heart to Jesus. God completely, radically changed his life. I mean, turned him around. Before the end of that semester, he was on the honor roll. He brought every, the teachers worked with him and let him, let him, he brought everything up to an A average. I mean, he, he was, he was acing everything. He was a, became a model student. He had a great voice and he's a wonderful singer. So he started traveling with me on weekends. He had a car and I didn't. And, uh, and so he would drive me to my week. I'd, I'd preach on the weekend. So he, he'd drive me to my meetings and we were, we were going over to Hayesville, North Carolina to preach one Sunday morning. And uh, we were almost there. We were about eight miles away from the church, and it was snowing like in Ohio. And, uh, and we, hit a, we hit a patch of ice on a, on a long downhill uh, steep glade, and, and his car just started spinning out of control. And it left the road, and we landed in a ravine. And thankfully, nobody was hurt. Thankfully, the car didn't turn over, but we couldn't get it out. And so we got out of the car and we started walking. We had eight miles to go and we had 30 minutes to get there because church was about to start. How many of you know that I can't walk eight miles in the snow in 30 minutes? I can't even run eight miles in the snow in 30 minutes. Now, how am I going to overcome that distance? Well, let me tell you how we overcame it, because we made it with time to spare. There was a good old farmer came by and saw us in our dilemma, and he picked us up and carried us to that church. So we had a distance that we couldn't navigate in the time allotted in our own strength. So we came under the power of that automobile, 
And it got us there with time to spare. Amen. If you need to cross a river and you can't swim that far, if you'll come under the power of a boat, you can get to the other side. If you need to get to the West Coast before sundown tonight, go out to Bush Field and come under the power of a jet-propelled airplane and you can wind up on the West Coast faster than you can drive halfway or even a third of the way across the United States. What you do, you surrender to a power that's greater than yourself. Jesus said, look, I've already gone through and overcome the world. I've got the victory over the world. I want you to have peace. You're going to have trouble in this world because the world's full of trouble. But if you'll come under the influence of my power, amen, if, if, if you will accept the gift that I want to give you, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will begin to operate in your life and you will have peace in this old troubled world regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your situation, your circumstances, or your peril. I'll give you peace. Hallelujah. Stand with me, if you will, please, all over this house. Praise God. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have peace. By the way, my friend that was my roommate the first year that I was Lee, I, I was doing a Florida camp meeting a few years ago, and I, he, I saw him. He lives in Florida. I keep up with his oldest son on Facebook because his oldest son is a pastor in Florida. And the boy's still serving the Lord living on fire for God after all these years. I'm talking about from 1963 till now, it's still good. There's, listen, God can help you overcome. God can help you. You know how he overcame alcohol? He came under the power and the influence of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know how you're going to overcome your addiction? You can come under the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that will, will lift up Jesus and will bring you into that place of peace. He's, he's already overcome everything. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't know. It may be a health issue. It may be a financial issue. It may be a, may be a, a problem with your family. And, and, and you may be copping out and hiding behind, well, this is genetically, this is just the way I am. This is the way our family does. Everything happens like that with us. We just, you know, no, no, no. Jesus has overcome all that stuff and he wants to give you peace in the midst of this and you can have it today you can have it today you can have it today praise God while heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment please anybody here today say preacher if I were to die today I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven but would, would you just remember me in this closing prayer would you just slip your hand up Anybody, anywhere, preacher, I'm just not sure that I'm ready to meet God today. I want you to remember me in this closing prayer. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm just not sure. Anybody else? All right. God bless you. Anybody here this morning, you're away from God. You say, preacher, I, there was a day when I was on fire for God, but I've become uh, cold and indifferent. I've just, I've just wandered away, and I, I want to be remembered. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody, anywhere, anywhere? Anywhere, just hold it up for a moment so I can see it. I want to remember you in prayer. All right, how many of you are in here today? You say, preacher, I am, I am going through something right now where 
my, my spirit has been disturbed and, my, my, and maybe even your rest. I'm having a hard time sleeping because of worry and frustration. It may be your job, a situation that you're going through. maybe a family situation, but I really need the peace of God this morning. I, I need some peace in this struggle. Could be your marriage, could be your finances. Would you just slip your hand up for just a moment? Yes, all over the building. Yes, 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 yes. Could 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 we do this? Could we, if if you're willing, I'm, I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's not my purpose for this. We want you to have peace. We don't want you to be frustrated. So I'm I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. But if you raised your hand for any need whatsoever, and, and you'd be willing to just bring that problem to Jesus this morning and, and ask him to give you that peace that passes understanding, would you just step out from where you are and come down and stand with me at the altar and let's have a closing prayer down here this morning? Would, would you do that? Preacher, I, I need peace. And I need peace. I need peace. I need Jesus. I need the Lord. I need healing for my body. I need a financial miracle. I need God to move on my job. I, I've, I've got a situation that's troubling me. My family's in turmoil today. I, I need, need the peace of God. Yes, yes, yes.